Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster. You are worthy. Worthy of it all. You know, Revelation says that the prayers of the saints are filling up bowls in heaven. And one of these days, those bowls are going to be full. And they're going to be tipped and pour out like lightning on the earth. Lord, let this be a day in our generations when the bowls are filled and You pour out Your glory and Your honor and Your praise and Your majesty upon this world like it's never seen before. And Father, Your name would be lifted high and Your name would be overcoming all disease, all trouble, all trial. And that Father, Your name would be the name above every name. And every tongue would confess that You are Lord. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Why don't we just give him a clap offering? Would you just give the Lord a clap offering? Yes, Lord. You may be seated. It's good to be with you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be anywhere. Uh, last Friday evening or afternoon, uh, I had gone to see Amanda because Cedar Fever was here. And I went to see Amanda and she said, well, why don't we just test you? Amanda was pretty smart because later on that afternoon they did one of the quick tests and she came back and she called me and she said, uh, you've tested positive. You've got covid And then just a few hours later, she called me and she said, I've been praying about this and I really think you need to go over to Colleen, to Advent Health, and get an infusion of antibodies because of your AFib. And I said, okay, I'll do that. So at 6 o'clock that evening on Friday, Connie and I go over to Colleen and and if you've ever been to the emergency room in Colleen, you wait a while. And uh, after a while, they gave me, for an hour, they gave me an infusion of antibodies. And then I had, they had to watch me for an hour uh, after that to make sure I wasn't having any reaction. So Connie and I got home about 1 o'clock Saturday morning. And uh, I had symptoms through the night on Friday night. And on Saturday morning, I woke up completely free of symptoms. Had a little aches and pains that day, but since Sunday morning last week, I've been absolutely free from symptoms. And uh, you'd, you'd think, well, that's really a great thing. I spent seven days in my house. I have never spent that long in my house in my life. Connie was on one side of the house and I was on the other side and praise God, Connie didn't get it. And uh, we're fine. We're really fine. I'm actually, I'm so excited. I had a whole week to study for today. And because I had a whole week to study, we're going to divide this message into two. You'll have to come back next Sunday to see for the, for the other. But I, I'm excited. I, I feel like God spoke to me and gave me revelation. I hope that you'll hear it this morning. But uh, 2020 is over. Anybody want to say amen? 
But the thing I fear is that we're still living in the ramifications of its effects on our lives. The disappointment, the struggles, the hurts, the disease, the threats, the politics, the division in our country. But the big demon of 2020 is fear. To be honest, as I prayed about it, I felt like many of us are stuck right there. We're just stuck. So as I prayed about it, stuck, I said, God, what do you do when you're stuck? And he said, move. You know, sometimes God's got a sense of humor. Move. And uh, that turned into a series that I'm going to be preaching to you over the next few weeks. In other words, take the initiative. Move. But it's not just that you take action. You must take the right action. Today, I want to talk about moving from fear to faith. Moving from fear to faith. Turn to Matthew chapter 14 in your Bible. Matthew 14. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus has just fed the 5,000 in the context of it and He, uh, oh well, let's just start in verse 22. We're going to read the whole passage, then we're going to talk about some of it. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Most of the time, most of us talk about, when we talk about this passage of Scripture, we talk about Peter walking on the water. And most of the time, we talk about him sinking. But this is when Jesus walks on the water. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. Uh, The story takes place in a storm. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And the scriptures in the, the, the parallel scriptures tell that the, the people wanted to make him king. And Jesus makes the disciples get in the boat to go to the other side. Now, the reason Jesus, and the word makes is strong. In other words, Jesus forces them to get into the boat to go to the other side. Kind of commands them. And as I was thinking about that, the reason Jesus commanded his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side is because the, he knew the disciples would get in on the fray of making him king because that would have fit their agenda just right. They wanted Jesus to be king. They wanted him to rise up, show who he was, take over. But Jesus makes them get in a boat. 
No, they're not scared of a boat. Some of them are professionals with a boat. They're fishermen. So the boat had no problem for them. They, they were familiar with boats and travel on water, but what had been routine was about to become an event that would expose and change their lives. Now, I know you've heard this story many times. What I'm telling you is the revelation that's going to come to you this morning, I believe, will set you free from fear. Are you ready for it? So let's pray. Father, I'm just asking you right now in the name of Jesus for a spirit of revelation and knowledge to come in this place. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to pull back the blinders and pull back to what used to be and what should be and what could be into what is. And that, Father, that we would hear you and see you and know you in a way we've never known you before. Jesus, make yourself known to us is my prayer in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right. This storm, Jesus makes them. Look at verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I don't know if there's ever been a time when more people are in a storm than right now. A domestic storm, a financial storm, an emotional storm, even physical storm. People are rethinking life like that have never been moved to do it before. They're taking a new look at the world, a new look at the church, and ultimately a new look at Christ. The Lord said that everything that could be shaken would be shaken, that that which cannot be shaken might remain. Let me just tell you, everything that's shaking and falling down, you can't trust. You can't trust it. The reason it's falling is because it's not trustworthy. So, instead of us trying to prop it up, we need to let it fall. That's another sermon. There's two kinds of storms you find in Scripture. The first storm is storms of correction. When God sends a storm because you're headed the wrong way, and He's going to right the way. The second kind of storm is the Storms, I call the storms of completion or perfection. Storms that God literally wants you to walk through that you can discover who He is. Storms, He didn't didn't cause the storm, but He's in the middle of it. You understand what I'm saying? So there's storms of correction, there's storms of completion. The disciples were in this storm because they had obeyed Jesus. Storms don't mean that God has forsaken you. In fact, God may be coming to you, inviting you to seek Him and walk in an adventure you had never known before. Well, why does He come this way? I believe it's because not until we're slammed against the impossibility of our storm that our faith is moved to grow. How many of you have prayed more in 2020 than you've prayed in your life? Yeah? The worst thing God could do for you or for me is to let you live and exist in a state where you would never have to trust Him. For if you don't have to trust Him, how many of you know you wouldn't? As long as we can handle it, we will. 
Well, the disciples find themselves in the middle of the sea. The word there means literally middle of the sea is three or four miles out into the sea. John 6.19 tells us how many stadia, which was three or four miles. They were in the middle of their problem. You ever felt that way? Not only in the middle of a problem, but the winds of life are in your face. Not only are you in the middle of the problem, and not only the winds against you, but you're in in the dark. You don't know what's going on, and there's no way to see how things are going to turn out. (laughs) Been there, done that. Hmm. Look at verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now they had left Jesus around 6 o'clock that evening before sundown. Now it's the fourth watch, which is 3 a.m. in the morning. So that means they've been battling this storm for over nine hours. No longer are they trying to get to the other side. Now they're just trying to survive. Ever felt that way? I know, God, you told me to do this, but God, right now, all I can do is do this. Mark 6.48 fills in some details that, in fact, when you're reading the Gospels, read all of them, especially where they're parallel passages where you can see what, what other writers said. In Mark 6.48, the Scripture says this, Then he, Jesus, saw them straining at rowing, rowing, I can't say that word, rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. I think this is so important. They're out in the middle thinking they're all by themselves and Jesus saw them. He recognized their effort. He recognized their fear. He recognized their trouble and he comes to them. He walks on the sea. Now, you've got to get this because I missed it most of my life. When I think of Jesus walking on the sea and coming to the disciples, I see him at one moment on the mountain and the next moment in the sea by the boat. It says he walked on the sea. He walked three to four miles on the sea to get to the disciples. He was a man who was himself God, but he was living in his humanity for us. And he walks on the sea three to four miles because he saw their struggle. He knew their trouble. And he was going to them. Folks, listen to me. I don't care where you are in your storm. Jesus sees you. He sees your trouble. He knows your need. And here, listen to me, he's coming. He's coming, that'll preach. He's coming. He comes to them, he walks on the sea. Don't ever think Jesus doesn't know where you are. Or that he can't handle your storm. Look at verse 26. I'm a teaching pastor, we're going to go verse by verse. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. It's kind of like one of the disciples see this shadow moving toward them. Now, 
They're rowing, they're struggling, but they see this and they think it's an apparition. They think it's a ghost. And it says, and, and they were troubled. The word literally means terrified. And they cried out means they screamed like a girl. In fear. Now, don't you take a minute let that picture soak in for a moment. The disciples were in distress, and the very person who was able to help them was approaching. In fact, they had been, in Matthew chapter 8, they had been in a boat in a storm before, but Jesus was in the boat asleep. And they woke him up, and he calmed the storm. But this time they're in a storm, and they don't think he's anywhere around. Isn't it amazing how many times God can calm your storm, but the next storm you don't think He's anywhere around? His being boatless didn't seem to slow Jesus down at all. Jesus didn't need the boat. How could they have failed to know it was Jesus? Who else would it have been? And this showed me something because it takes eyes of faith to recognize when Jesus is around. Mark's version of this story tells us that that Jesus, verse 48 again, the last part of it, would have passed them by. Now, if you look at verse 48, can you put that back up, Teresa? Mark 6, 48, I know it's not there yet, okay? He saw them straining, and, and he starts to go to them, walking on the sea. But there's something that doesn't make sense to me here. He would have passed them by. Well, if he's going to them, why is he going to pass by them? I get in my mind that if he's walking to them and he's going to pass by them, he's just going to say, good luck, folks. I'll see you on the other side. So what does this mean? Now, when I find something I don't understand, I start to dig. And I'm, I want to I say something. All truth is hidden in the rock. You've got to dig for it. There's some things God will show you easy. There's some things God wants to show you when you dig for it. So I began to dig. What does this mean, pass by you? Why would Jesus, that doesn't, that doesn't fit with your character? That you see their problem and you're going to pass them by? And so the Greek word here for this pass them by is parelkamai in the Greek. And as I studied that word, it's the same word used in the Old Testament Septuagint that was a technical term for a theophany. Now you say, well, what in the world is that? It's those defining moments when God, look at the definition on the screen, when God makes striking and temporary appearances in the earthly realm to a select individual or group for the purpose of communicating a message. It's the word, the same word when when God put Moses in the cleft of the rock and said, my glory is going to pass by. It's the same word when Elijah had run from Jezebel and he was hiding in the cave. And the Lord says, I'm going to pass by. So what this says to me, so when Jesus came to his disciples on the water intending to 
passed them by, he was revealing himself in a way he had not revealed to him them before. He was revealing himself in his divine person, in his real presence, and in his power. He was calling them to attention to know him in a deeper way. Every time this word was used in the Old Testament about passing by, the people were scared where they were. And when they said yes to Jesus, when they said yes to God, to their calling, they experienced the power and the goodness of God in their lives. You remember Moses, he says, my goodness is going to pass before you. And Elijah, it wasn't the hurricane, it wasn't the earthquake, it was the still, small voice of his presence. And I found another verse. I love finding verses. Job chapter 9, verse 8. Job is listening to his detractors and then Job says, it's God who put the expanse in the heavens and it is God who treads on the waves of the sea. It's God. Job 9.8, I'll never forget it. Don't ever think God's passing you by to leave you. He's passing by to reveal to you who He is. Now that the storm had their full attention, Jesus is about to pass by in a way they had not known Him. Look at verse 27. They scream in fear and Jesus answers them, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. I want to show this to you in the Amplified, because it's the closest to the original. Listen to this. But instantly he spoke to them, saying, Take courage, I am. Stop being afraid. Is it okay if I just show you the Greek? I just got to show you the Greek. Tharsos means boldness or courage. In other words, be bold and courageous. Be it. Be it. Be courageous. Take courage is what Jesus says to them. And then he says, ego eme, I am. Anybody recognize that? I am. It's a sacred name for deity. When Moses said, who shall I say that sent me? Yahweh says, you can tell him, I am that I am sent you. In other words, I am. Jesus was revealing who he really is. In a, you, it's not I was and not I will be. I am. I am. It, 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 it's, I can't. In other words, when all of this sea was just a vapor in the imagination of the Godhead, I am. When every problem that will ever be, I want you to know I am. And then he says, me phobia. Me phobia. Me negative. Phobia. Fear. Stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. I'm the one who walks on what you're fearing. I'm not only here, I'm enough. 
He who rules the tempest is not the devil, not chance, not malicious enemy, but Jesus. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what everyone else says. I am in charge of it all. You don't make me king. I am. I am. You can trust me. A revelation of Jesus is the cure for all fear. The disciples thought Jesus would make a great king. He had ruled with love and justice and mercy. Folks, listen, Jesus is not just a man who lived 2,000 years ago or a Messiah that was promised or a crucified martyr who died on a cross. He is Himself, I am. The great I am. Everything, everything is under His feet, in His control, and will turn out just like He said. Not because of what was, not even because of what will be, but because of I am. You think I'm going to go to Peter, but that's next week. You're going to have to come back next week to hear about Peter. So I want you to go to verse 32. Verse 32. And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. When Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased. How many of you think that the wind's going to cease the moment Jesus shows up? You do realize the wind didn't cease when Jesus showed up. The wind ceased when he got into the boat. Sometimes the storm keeps raging and the, the wind ceases when Jesus gets into the boat. I'm talking about inside. It gets in your heart. The storm's still raging, but the peace. I could have said this morning, move from panic to peace. But move from fear to faith. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. But that's not the end of the story. You see, most of us would be satisfied if the wind would just cease. Most of us would be satisfied if the problem would just go away. If the storm would just calm. In fact, if you'll just calm it for a while, God, I'll be satisfied. Isn't it amazing? Jesus isn't the I am so you can be in your trouble. The next verse is the climax of the revelation. Verse 33. Those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the first time in the Gospels that the disciples addressed Jesus with his full title. They saw who he was. And they worshiped. That's not the last time they're going to be in a storm. It's not the last time they're going to have trouble. But they saw him for who he was. They got a fresh revelation of the one who walks on the waves of their storm. And they were in awe. That's what worship here means. They were in awe. Everything you think your storm is going to be is already under His feet. (sighs) 
Why didn't the disciples recognize Jesus? Because at the time, they believed more in ghosts than they believed in Jesus. They believed more in their superstition and their fear than in the only one who could help them. How many times do you believe in your ghosts more than you believe in Jesus? Ghosts of your past? Ghosts of your problems? Ghosts of your history? Ghosts. Because it's not real. It's forgiven. It's cleansed. I am is here. Do I trust Him? Truly, you are the Son of God. How do you move from fear to faith? I want you to picture with me, freeze frame this picture of them bowing in the boat, worshiping in awe of who Jesus is. You got it? In your mind? Come on, think with me. They're in the boat. Jesus has stepped in the boat and everything has calmed. And they worship. Got it? All right, that's one picture. Now let's go back an hour beforehand. An hour beforehand, they were struggling at the oars. They think a ghost is coming. They think everything is falling apart. Their boat's about to sink. They... They're terrified and they're screaming like girls. You got that picture? Okay. I want you to take the two pictures and I want to put them side by side. I want to tell you how to move from fear to faith. You got it? 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. 3 a.m. they're exhausted. 4 a.m. they're exalting the Savior. 3 a.m., they're filled with anguish and worry. 4 a.m., they're filled with awe and worship. 3 a.m., they're acting like Jesus has forgotten them and the storm has beaten them. 4 a.m., they're realizing Jesus is here and He's greater than our storm. Are you ready? The great, the secret of great faith is knowing at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. is coming. And then respond accordingly. It's replacing worry with worship and doing it by faith. When the disciples looked out in the howling darkness at 3 o'clock, they could not see Jesus, but He could see them. Even at that very moment, he was making his way down the mountain and he was stepping it out across the waves of the sea, four miles coming to them in their need. But he was doing so in his own timing because he wanted to develop something in them they could not get any other way but by his presence. And he wanted to teach them to trust him even in the storm. The faith The faith that pleases Jesus is being courageous at 3 a.m. because you know that Jesus is going to make all things work together for your good at 4 a.m. And you're willing to wait for His timing. 
The faith that pleases Jesus is a faith that adopts a 4 a.m. attitude in a 3 a.m. storm. It's easy to believe God, isn't it, when you're, everything's calm? The great faith that turns fear on its head is when you are in the middle of it and it's 4 a.m. in your heart. It's 4 a.m. My God, be of good courage. I am. Stop being afraid. It may look like 3 o'clock in our lives. Say it with me, but 4 a.m.'s coming. 4 a.m.'s coming. 4 a.m.'s coming. Be courageous. I am. Stop being afraid. We'll talk about Peter next week. Would you stand with me? Where are you in your storm? You say, well, I don't have a storm. Okay, where are you headed? Storms are going to happen. It's my, you might as well settle it in your heart today that Jesus is the I am. And he's, he's the storm that I'm in, the storm that I'm, co- that I'm coming to, the storm that could even be threatening me today is under his feet. I trust him. And I take by faith what I've been worrying about about in fear that Jesus is the I am. No matter how many times He was, no matter how much you think He will be, today He is. I am. Maybe, you see, the reason they didn't recognize Jesus is they didn't know Him that way. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't recognize what He's doing in your life because you don't know Him that way. You think he's waiting for you to do something when he's, he's just waiting you to let him into your boat. Would you just say with me, Lord, show me who you are. I don't want a figment of my theology. I want the reality of who you are. Show me who you are. And with, by faith this morning, could you say, Lord, I know I, I'm in a storm, and I may be in a storm of faith. I may be in a storm of fear. I don't... But what I'm telling you is I'm in a storm and here's what I want to say by faith. That storm is already under your feet. It's there. It's already. You're already walking on it. So soul, stop being afraid. Maybe God's asking you to do something. Go to the other side. Move. Well, if I move, then I'm going to have to... You know, here's the thing. It's easy to stay in the safety of the boat when Jesus is on the water. Sometimes Jesus wants you to get out of your boat. Your boat is what you hold on to for safety. Some of you, Jesus may be inviting you to step out on the sea walk with him in an adventure. You never know. 
just got to remember this. The I am is with you. Oh, soul, are you weary? That's the verses to that song Stacy's playing. Oh, soul, are you weary? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. preaching something came to mind and it's not in scripture it is in the old testament but not in the passage that he shared but what came to my mind was that and it, we know the faith of the disciples we've 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 seen it over and over in the new testament how uh, often they lacked faith and it makes us uh, feel better about ourselves amen All right, cody says he loves peter because uh, he just shows how much of a knucklehead somebody can be and there's hope for us but I have to believe that whether, whether or not one of the disciples said it or they were all thinking it, they said, he sent us out here to die. He's always with us. He's always going wherever we go. But he made us get on this boat and sent us out here to die. And if you remember in Exodus when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt over and over and over again, they accused God and said, you sent us out here to die. And God said, no, I sent you out there to show you my glory, to show you what I can do. And that's what Pastor Darrell showed us in this passage, that he came to pass by so they could know who he is. Our life's not free of storms, but God says he will be with us and reveal his glory and shine his light to the world around us when they see what he does in the middle of a storm. In Acts chapter 9, when Ananias is being sent to talk to Saul, the man who would become Paul, and Ananias didn't want to go because he said, this is the guy killing Christians. And God tells him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name, for the sake of his glory. It wasn't about punishment. He wasn't having to pay penance for what he had done. But God was saying, I am going to reveal myself through suffering. And I believe that's what God's doing right now. He is setting up the world to see his glory like we've never seen it before. 
But at 3 a.m., we've got to have faith to know that 4 a.m. is coming and God is going to show himself mighty and faithful. Amen. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise. Lord, in the middle of suffering, you are showing your glory. Show your glory to this world, Lord. Let them see your light through our testimony, through the way that we experience suffering, that they know there's something different because we're standing on an unshakable king. We give you all glory and all honor and all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before you go, we just have a couple quick announcements. Uh, first of all, we've sent out our giving reports via email. If we had your email on file, so you should have already received that digitally. If you didn't and you think we have your email, you can reach out to us. Um, we'll also be mailing out uh, copies to anybody we don't have email addresses on. In the future, if you would like to receive yours by email, just provide us your email address and we'll take care of that. Um, youth is going to meet this evening at 5 p.m. And Spark and Life Groups are going to be meeting again this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Common Grounds is also planning on meeting this Friday uh, from 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, also wanted to remind you of the special service that's coming up on the 31st. The children and youth ministries are going to highlight all the ministries that they have going on. That's a fifth Sunday. All the kids will be welcome and, and in the service. And we really want you all to attend and bring your kids and youth so we can see what uh, the ministries that are going to be going on in the new NCC West building. Um, we also are looking for two additional live stream volunteers. If you are technically minded and want to help out our worship ministry, you can get with Brandon Thomas or send the church an email or call us and we'll get you uh, hooked up with them to, to learn more about that. Um, and then we have also wanted to let you know that the disc golf course is open. Some of y'all may or may not know we even have a disc golf course, um, but we've had uh, been putting that together over over multiple years now. Um, it's all set up. There's tee boxes. There's maps. There's an app on a phone. If, uh, it's called UDisc, the letter U-D-I-S-C. You can download that on your smartphone or your uh, Apple iPhone, and um, it'll show you the course, the layout, all that kind of stuff. It's, it'd be a great thing to get out with your family, to invite friends, just be relational with those around you. And you're outside and spread apart, apart, but it's just another activity to do. But we will, it's just right here behind our property, so you're invited to avail yourself of that. Um, I think that is all of them. The only last thing is if y'all could help us pick up these two sections of chairs and those two sections of chairs for Youth Tonight and Spark on Wednesday. God bless y'all and have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 